Welcome back to San Francisco Legislative Outlook, the weekly program that provides you with an update on the latest decisions made by our elected officials. I'm C.J. Hunt. On Monday, October 6th, the Government Audit and Oversight Committee considered an ordinance from Supervisor Amiano appropriating nearly half a million dollars for high-risk youth violence prevention and reduction grants, focusing on intensive case management, outreach, and programming in the Mission District. The committee heard a lot of testimony from Mission residents speaking about the impact of violence on the neighborhood. In the last um, 10 months, six people have been shot on my block. I've seen six bodies shot on my block. I stand before you as a youth commissioner from my district, and as I ask you that you help fund these programs for our district that has made, hopefully, for these programs to decrease the influx of violence and crime that has made the Mission District a fearful and dangerous neighborhood. Thank you. Our kids are out here not in the, in the streets killing each other, not because they want to, but because they don't know any better and because we as adults have not provided them any alternatives. So I urge you to support this additional funding for the Mission CRN, but to also look at what the major problems are and see if we can come together as a community and try to solve those problems. Thank you, Pat. Next speaker. The committee sent the item to the full board with recommendation. The Eastern Neighborhoods Plan was back before the Land Use and Economic Development Committee on Monday, October 6th and also at a special meeting of the committee on Wednesday, October 8th. There's been a lot of public interest in the plan, with many people concerned about preserving businesses involved with production, distribution, and repair, and the blue-collar jobs that they provide. We want to be able to measure uh, the employment in these new businesses as broadly as possible, and that, that particular filter gives us that ability, and I can get into more details about that. But again, the proposal is to use the existing Enterprise Zone voucher program and to also require that any um, employee be a resident of San Francisco to count as a disadvantaged worker under the, under the program. As you said, uh, Supervisor Maxwell, we are almost cutting in half the amount of space that's going to be available for the, the kind of manufacturing and industrial jobs we've counted on for producing entry-level jobs, and we really must focus on that. So. Um, this is a key part of this plan working. The other major concern was the need to make affordable housing available. The need is, is enormous, and I would start from that premise. The need is enormous. But Matt Franklin came before the Planning Commission and said, if we accept the idea that somehow 64% of the housing should be affordable, and Eastern Neighborhoods is going to deliver, let's say, 10,000 units as an order of magnitude, the city is 1.1% billion dollars short of that. That's billion with a B. How do you get there? So what do we currently get out of it in terms of affordable housing? Not much. We get slightly increased inclusionary housing and some fees. This has to be about sites for affordable housing. Otherwise, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see that housing show up for decades to come, especially when the argument here, and you've heard it, is about keeping the fees low. So if we're going to accept that, then getting a portion of those fees of affordable housing means you're getting crumbs of crumbs. So please, take the MAC and Psalm Ken Amendments for the Youth and Family Zone very seriously. They did a lot of brilliant work, frankly, to find ways through zoning to create opportunities for up to 4,000 units of affordable housing in the eastern neighborhoods. And they've done it without any increase in impact fees. 
They've done it without any downzoning. They've done it by preserving the eastern neighborhood programs for, to encourage development within building envelopes and also give substantial incentives for partnerships of for-profit and non-profit developers to build affordable housing. And it's using rezoning and height to do it, the best tools that the city has at its disposal. So please, you should measure, uh, if there's any targets coming from the Mayor's Office of Housing or any alternative, you need to measure it against those amendments. The items were continued and we'll be back before the Land Use and Economic Development Committee on October 15th. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday, October 7th, 2008 Board of Supervisors. Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll? The full Board of Supervisors considered for the third time an ordinance providing that all city affordable housing programs give preference to certificate of preference holders. These certificates were given to San Francisco residents displaced by projects managed by the Redevelopment Agency. We don't unfortunately have a track record of success with the COPs being redeemed as Supervisor Mercury had. And so I think we're in this very uh, delicate situation of trying to make sure that we don't threaten access to housing for some communities at the expense of another. Apparently the third time was the charm since the item was approved unanimously. The full board also unanimously approved an ordinance that would allow for the preservation, rehabilitation, restoration, or reconstruction of historic movie theater signs and marquees. It's just giving us the ability to now rehabilitate single screen or whatever the theaters may be, whether it is still an operating live theater, cinematic, or a performance space, but at least being able to give it that kind of uh, moniker that I think may, many neighborhoods would like. Your support would be appreciated. New head shops will have another bureaucratic hurdle to leap now that the full board has unanimously approved a conditional use requirement for establishments that sell tobacco paraphernalia which is the official designation for the shops. Also on Tuesday, the board considered whether to create a need-based local housing subsidy for homeless families. With Supervisor McGoldrick absent this week, the vote was 5 to 5, with Supervisors Aliotto Pier, Chu, Dufty, Ellsburn, and Maxwell voting against the plan. In an apparent display of good sportsmanship, though, the board unanimously agreed to rescind the vote and continue the item to October 21st so that Supervisor McGoldrick can have a chance to weigh in on the proposal. An urgency ordinance imposing a 45-day moratorium on the conversion of residential rental units to student housing was approved this week with a 9-to-1 vote. Only Supervisor Aliotto Pier opposed the ordinance. The measure from Supervisor Daly is in response to the rapid expansion of the Academy of Art which many feel is reducing the city's supply of affordable housing. Also on Tuesday, the board approved new limits on the establishment of new bars and restaurants in the North Beach Neighborhood Commercial District in locations occupied by basic neighborhood services. Supporters hope the measure will help retain and attract neighborhood-serving retail businesses to the area. The board accepted an amendment from Supervisor Ellsburn that extended the time window to three years. Uh, I think three years is more than enough time to allow a vacancy to be filled. And if, truth be told, you can't find somebody within three years, well, then maybe that's the market telling you that your site just isn't appropriate for a restaurant. Uh, so I offer that as an amendment. Uh, and uh, with that, I am comfortable supporting this legislation. The ordinance was then approved with a nine-to-one vote, with Supervisor Aliotto Pier dissenting. The Tobin House at 1969 California Street 
was designated as a landmark this week with a unanimous vote of the full board. An ordinance from Board President Peskin requiring that campaign consultants disclose their lobbying contacts with any officer of the city was approved with another unanimous vote. And the board also unanimously approved the creation of a San Francisco Task Force on Residential Treatment for Youth in Foster Care and accepted several reports from the civil grand jury. And in yet another show of unity, there was unanimous support for a resolution establishing the city's support for affordable rates for PG&E customers and directing the city attorney and the Public Utilities Commission to participate in PG&E rate proceedings. Now a report on the mayor's activities this week. This week the mayor promoted the annual Fleet Week events, also rainwater harvesting and the planned Pier 70 rehabilitation. But the biggest news from the mayor this week is that he has chosen San Francisco Environment Department Director Jared Blumenfeld to serve as Director of the Recreation and Park Department until a permanent director is hired. Mr. Blumenfeld has been the city's Environment Director since 2001 and has 20 years of experience across a wide range of environmental areas. He also worked with the Rec and Park Department to advance recycling, energy efficiency, and other programs. Prior to working for the city and county of San Francisco, Mr. Blumenfeld served as Director of Global Habitat Protection for the Massachusetts-based International Fund for Animal Welfare. He's also an attorney with degrees from Bolt Hall School of Law and the University of London and was editor at Cambridge University Center for International Law. He also worked for Natural Resources Defense Council and the Sierra Club Legal Defense Fund. He will step into the interim director position after obtaining approval from the Recreation and Parks Commission. That's all for this week's report on the mayor's activities. For more information on the mayor's office, check out sfgov.org mayor. Here's what's coming up next week with the Board of Supervisors. Due to the Columbus Day holiday, the full board will not be meeting next week. As mentioned previously, the Eastern Neighborhoods Plan will be back before the Land Use and Economic Development Committee on Wednesday, October 15th. And the resolution sponsored by Supervisors Chu and Alioto Pier, urging the school district to reconsider the current school assignment system, will be before the city and the school district select committee on Thursday, October 16th. The current school assignment system is intended to maintain diverse schools, but many parents feel that it's more important that their child can attend the closest school, or school that they can choose. That's all we have for this week's legislative report. For updated agendas and other information on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, go to sfgov.org BOS. Next up is Bill Dillon with this week's calendar of events. Hi, this is Bill Dillon with the SFGTV Community Calendar. Lots of great events in the city coming up, including on Wednesday, October 15th. If you haven't already missed it, check out Wachovia Wednesdays at the California Academy of Sciences. That's free admission to the Steinhardt Aquarium, Morrison Planetarium, and Kimball Natural History Museum. It's on the third Wednesday of each month, falls on the 15th this month, and it's from 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. More information is available at calacademy.org. The California Academy of Sciences is located at 55 Music Concourse Drive in Golden Gate Park. On Saturday, October 18th, the Community Clean Team is in District 3. 
Join the Community Clean Team to beautify District 3 and keep San Francisco clean, green, and beautiful. All supplies are provided and lunch is served after the event at the main kickoff site, which is Portsmouth Square at Kearney and Clay. The Clean Team visits a different district of the city each month, coordinating volunteers to sweep streets and sidewalks, tend to neighborhood trees and plants, work on gardening projects, and paint out graffiti in parks, schools, and neighborhoods all over the district. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and you can register for the event at sfconnect.org. Also on Saturday, the 18th, it's the 4th Annual Family Festival, sponsored by the San Francisco Department of Children, Youth, and Their Families. There will be live entertainment, carousel rides, jump houses, and a climbing wall, roving balloon artists, clowns and stilt walkers, hands-on activities for children of all ages, and a community resource fair featuring more than 100 exhibitors. It's all free and it's all fun. It's at Yerba Buena Gardens, 760 Howard Street in San Francisco. Then on Sunday the 19th at the Yerba Buena Gardens, it's Target Family Day. Five of San Francisco's top cultural destinations, including the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, the New Contemporary Jewish Museum, the Museum of the African Diaspora, Zeeum, and Yerba Buena Gardens Festival welcome families with a full day of hands-on art-making activities and special family-friendly performances. It's an opportunity for everyone to experience all that the Yerba Buena Arts District has to offer, thanks to the generous support of TARP. Each venue offers families with young children a chance to see and make art. At SF MoMA, visitors will discover the secret science of photography, with artist and docent-led activities related to the exhibition, Brought to Life, Photography and the Invisible. Across the street at the Contemporary Jewish Museum, families can celebrate the Jewish Harvest Festival and other similar festivals around the world with art projects and performances. Down the block at Moad, visitors can take a tour of the brand new exhibition, The Hewitt Collection of African American Art, and work with local artists to make a screen print. Over at Zeeum, kids can ride the carousel, create a music video, craft their own book bag, and much, much more. Yerba Buena Gardens offers a lively afternoon under the sun with world music concerts, puppetry, and clowning around. That's Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. More info is available at yerbabuena.org slash targetfamilyday. And finally, be sure to take part in Shake Up San Francisco on Tuesday, October 21st at 12 noon. October 21st, 2008 marks the 140th anniversary of the 1868 Hayward earthquake, the first great San Francisco earthquake and one of the most damaging earthquakes in the nation's history. Shake Up SF will consist of a coordinated series of small individual drills designed to engage members of the public, private business, schools, nonprofits, and faith-based organizations, as well as city employees. Practice drop, cover, and hold at noon on October 21st. More info is at sfgov.org slash OES. That's it for this week's SFGTV Community Calendar. Enjoy all the great events. Thanks, Bill. That's all for this week's show. For SFGTV, I'm C.J. Hunt. Tune in every week for the latest on your local government.